Although we can't go back in time, we can reflect on our past experiences and learn from them. But wouldn't it be so amazing if we could? If you could, what would you tell yourself? This is Letters to My Younger Self. I'm Liz Gardner. Join me as we talk with some of my favorite people about their life stories and how they've learned and how we can become a little better by hearing their incredible stories. Dear freshman in college, Allie, I know you really like to learn, and I know that you probably will end up studying seven different majors in college, but once you decide on being a Hebrew major, just going to give you a little bit of advice based on what's going to happen in your life, you probably should study business. You'll sing a song in Hebrew, but you probably should study business. I'm so excited to introduce you to my sister-in-law, Allie. She really is amazing, and she's one of those people I have wanted to interview for a long time, but me living in Dallas, it felt weird to have an interview with her remotely, and so I decided to wait until we moved to Utah, and it was so fun talking with her. It's interesting with family because you see so many of the ins and outs of their lives, but you don't always ask them some of the deep questions, and so I loved hearing her story about her music career and kind of how everything came into place. Allie is an extraordinary person, and she's filled with so much light, and her life is really centered on helping people, and it's amazing seeing her as a musician and how even every song that she writes and sings is all catered towards blessing people's lives and she's really inspiring and recently she has become an entrepreneur she just opened a new studio and so we're going to talk about that today and she just shines and is amazing she has an amazing voice and I have a song for you at the end of the podcast so you can listen to her I really hope that you enjoy learning from Allie she really is an amazing person and has the most beautiful voice and uses it for good. And she really taught me a lot. All right, Allie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I feel funny asking you that because (laughs) I do know a lot about yourself and I've heard a lot of fun stories about you as a kid, but why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and, and what you were like as a kid? As a kid, I think I was very creative and crazy and energetic, and I would put on plays in my basement and hold auditions with all the neighbor kids and (laughs) buy costumes on eBay and put on performances for the whole neighborhood and would dress up in the most creative outfits and sing at the top of my lungs on our back porch and (laughs) so I think I was a very happy and energetic and imaginative child (laughs) and so did your parents know you were buying costumes on ebay or was this something that you my mom did give me a small a small costume budget (laughs) (laughs) but I definitely had just word documents full of links to all of the different wigs that I was going to buy for all of my cast of my my own version of Wicked that I was putting on and <laughs> we never actually did that but <laughs> that's awesome 
my play career was very short-lived, but when I was little, we put on a play for the neighbors. I feel embarrassed that we like knocked on everybody's door. <laughs> and, like, we're putting on a play, come in the backyard. And it was, it took place in the treehouse, and I had this big long dress on, and I was just walking down this ladder, and I tripped and fell. And I remember my neighbor after saying, like, oh, that was the best part of the play. <laughs> and now looking back, it was very nice of our neighbors to stop whatever they were doing to come watch our play that we kind of made up on the fly. <laughs> I used to pick weeds from the empty lot next door and sell them to the neighbors for popsicles or there was a lady up the street sister van alstein that always gave us onions fresh onions for our weeds that we picked which we always called her the onion lady because of that that's so awesome when did you discover that you liked singing i think i discovered that i liked singing um in part because our next door neighbor growing up was a self-proclaimed opera star. So she'd open up all the doors and windows and just like sing at the top of her lungs. Oh no, Alex, it's time to come home. <laughs> and so I would always just imitate her from my high chair. But I really think it started when my parents were in a car accident when I was like four or five. And so when I was little, I would just sit in my mom's at-home hospital bed and watch Les Mis and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and just like sing along on repeat over and over and over and over again. So I really think that most of that interest in singing came because of just sitting there listening after the accident. That's interesting. I would love to see a video of you in a high chair singing <laughs> or trying to imitate the opera singer, right? I wish we had one. <laughs> There's some good home videos I've seen. I think one of my favorites is you riding down the street and you have a tutu on and boots and... Rain boots. My bob hair cut because I wouldn't ever let my mom wash my hair. So they just chopped it all off. And you're just screaming, I'm going way, way fast. Way too fast. Down the street. It's like, there's Allie. She's coming. <laughs> you always know when I'm coming. I'm not quiet. You got into singing, but when did you first write a song I feel like probably my first song that I ever wrote was on the boat in Lake Powell when I was six <laughs> I still remember it and so does my sister Haley it went I want to wake up in Lake Powell I want to see a big fat cow <laughs> but the way I know it very best is the five little girls in the egg nest who knows what it means, but that was my first song. <laughs> I think I've heard that before. I don't, I don't know what it means either. We always sing it because we never, we've never forgotten it. So That's awesome. Lake Powell really does bring out a lot of good singing. Before I married into the family, we went to Lake Powell and we would just like go on the end of the boat and sing at the top of our lungs. Yeah, there's a lot of great great music that happens in Lake Powell. That's awesome. If you could go back in time and talk to yourself and give yourself advice about writing music, what would it be? When I was growing up, there was a really big stigma of you can't make a career out of music at all. You'll be a starving musician, so you have to study or do something practical. I always would say, oh, well, I want to be a singer. I want to do this. But... 
I guess I better do this so that I have a fallback plan. So I think I would tell myself, that's not true. (laughs) I am a full-time musician in every way. Like my whole day is filled with just music and it is a very, very fruitful career and totally sustainable. So um, I would just, I think I would tell myself not to listen to everybody that said that my goals and dreams and things weren't practical because look at what I'm doing now. (laughs) Well, I think in general, all the arts are kind of looked at as being not quite practical. I don't know. Yeah. Not like it's almost like not the responsible decision. You know, we'll get into it a little bit later, but I feel like you've done amazing things with your career. And, but I think that is good advice. I think a lot of times when you're trying to reach your dreams, there's a lot of naysayers. When you're the person that's going for those, you can't let what they say or you can't let wanting everybody's approval to be the reason that you do what you love. But you have to have that drive that this is what I love and I'm going to do this regardless of what other people think. There aren't as many people like you that, that do this. It's more like most people do like the more practical yeah, careers. And so, and I think people see that and they're like, oh, we don't want you to be disappointed. And so they think they're helping. Yeah, totally. And I think there's, there's a book that I really like. It's called The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. And it talks about how if crabs are caught and put in a bucket and one tries to like climb out of the bucket, all the rest of the crabs in the bucket will reach up and pull down that crab and try to chop off his pinchers so he can't climb up so that he has to stay in the bucket. And I feel like very well-meaning, loving family members and friends kind of do that same thing with the less practical sounding careers because they want them everybody to be safe. They want everybody to, to do what's conventional and known and not climb out of the bucket into the unknown. And so it's, it's hard sometimes when family or friends don't really understand. You can totally do what you're passionate about and make a very wonderful living and be out where people maybe haven't ventured. But that's, that's kind of the life of every entrepreneur is going where other people aren't willing to go in order to do what you love. You going outside of your comfort zone or going outside, that's what makes you unique and that's what makes it so you are able to make a career out of it because if everyone was doing exactly what you're doing then there probably would be too many yeah (laughs) but I am really proud of you for going for your dreams I feel like it's easy to sometimes just say oh I'll just make the practical choice and I'll do that later I'll do it when I'm 40 yeah totally (laughs) Well, I remember when I first met you, you were pretty shy at performing. I remember we had an extended family party and there was a talent show. But I, and I also remember like you would sing, but like if I'd walk in the room or people would walk in the room, you'd stop. You've come a long ways. Well, I've been in the family for almost 10 years now. The last 10 years have been very life changing for you. 
tell me a little bit about how did you get over being shy with singing and stage fright and all that? I think several different things have really helped. First of all, I found just a really amazing voice coach. Dean Kalen has been such a blessing in my life just as a mentor and as a friend. And so I think as I learned how to really use my voice, I gained a lot of confidence from that. But I also attended several different acting and singing camps and stuff. Went to a couple of workshops with John Skidmore. He's a performance psychologist who talks about how nervousness is just a physiological response because, you know, when there were cavemen, you had to be able to quickly turn on that fight or flight response and run away from a tiger so you wouldn't get eaten. So your body basically reacts the same way when you step on stage as if there were a tiger attacking (laughs) you. And so when I finally realized that performing wasn't a threat, it was something that I enjoyed and that got favorable feedback, it just kind of turned off. It was like, as soon as I realized that that it was okay to be outside of my comfort zone, then it, it turned out really great. And I think the thing that really solidified that is I started doing musical theater with a group of special needs people. And they had none of that fear. They would just like get out there and sing at the top of their lungs and not be afraid at all if it didn't sound like what the (laughs) conventional radio tune would sound like. They were so proud of whatever it was that they had to give. And so I feel like as soon as I started helping them in their shows, it just was like, okay, whatever comes out of my mouth is like a gift that I'm giving to someone. And it doesn't matter if it sounds how people expect it to like I'm sharing a part of myself and so it's okay and over time I feel like that just that changed that perspective to use my talent to bless people not to impress people made it so I, I don't get nervous anymore I love that you talking about working with special needs kids and that's been a huge part of your life. Do you want to talk a little bit about what happened in high school and how you got the lead role and yeah, everything? So when I was in high school, my very favorite musical and my very favorite Disney movie is The Little Mermaid. And I had always wanted to be Ariel. That was like my performance goal when I was a teenager. And they announced that they'd be doing The Little Mermaid at my school. And I was so excited. I practiced for months, for hours and hours and hours, and I pushed myself really hard and got in really great shape so I could dance and I could sing and I could be on the Heelys and and so that I would for sure get that role. It was like what I thought about 24-7 for a couple of months. And I remember walking into my audition and just having this feeling that I was going to get the part, but that I was never going to perform it. And... I was like, that's weird. This is my dream role. Of course I'm going (laughs) to perform it. And then I got the part. And instead of feeling so ecstatic that I had gotten the part, I felt empty. Cool. Whatever. I'm Ariel. And it bugged me so bad that I wasn't even excited. And then as I looked at my rehearsal schedule, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to work with my special needs people that I had been 
working with. And um, at the time, I was actually an at-home aide. And so I was there helping with feeding and changing adult diapers and teaching life skills. And I just realized that the only thing I really wanted to do was be with them. That's what I was passionate about was doing singing time with them, not necessarily standing on stage and making all the attention towards me. And so I walked into my director's office and I said, Janet, I can't do it. I am not going to be Ariel. I quit. I can't leave. I can't leave my campus club kids. That's what the group is called, this campus club. I can't leave. And so I walked out. I quit. And it was really hard because that's literally what my entire group of friends was in the drama department. And I was a senior in high school. And so... It was well, like you'd a total also work so hard for that and put in your time. I mean, I feel like your high school drama department is unlike any other department that I've really it's ever really heard of in a high school. <laughs> because, I mean, literally, you guys would... 3 o'clock like, in the afternoon until 10 o'clock on school nights, and then 8 o'clock in the morning till midnight on Saturdays. Yeah, it was really it was your, your whole life. life. And then you had to put in all this time for and... Years. Your junior year, you were the understudy, and but then it was senior year, that was your time to shine. But I just, I really admire that you were able to prioritize what was most important to you. And I think that there's not a lot of people, especially, what, how old are you in senior year? 17? 16, 17. 17, there's not very many 17-year-old girls that would say, it's more important for me to help these special needs kids than to be the spotlight. Especially you had worked so hard, but I feel like you following your intuition and the feeling that that wasn't right for you. I just, I just remember when people would ask me, so tell me about your family. Tell me about your in-laws. And I remember always saying, my sister-in-law is kind of unreal. She's, (laughs) I'll explain her to you and you'll kind of say like, is she real? And I'll be like, no, she really is wonderful person that takes care of special needs kids and also hangs out with them on the weekends and does all this stuff to help so many people and your life has shifted in how you do things but your focus has always been like to bless people's lives instead of what you were saying impressing people especially in the music career that's not very typical it's very much like look at me look how beautiful I am Look how, what my voice can do. And when you sing, like I can tell that you're singing from your heart. It's just like, there's a different feeling when you sing than when I hear other people sing. Yeah, I feel like that experience really, it was like a domino effect for me because it was like, as soon as I chose to focus my energy on blessing people, As soon as I got home from my mission to Mexico, I I served as a missionary for my church there for a year and a half and lived in some really awesome hut-like... And slept in a hammock for (laughs) a year and a half. I mean, not like dingy huts, but... But not like, not like our standards of, of living and things. It's but not what people thought when you said, I got, I'm going to Cozumel. They're like, oh, I love it. It's so nice there. You're <laughs> like, uh, it's a little different. But it made me want to use my voice for good as a missionary. And then when I got home, my whole focus in my music career changed from, I want to go beyond Broadway to, 
I want to use my music to, to help the same people that I just spent a year and a half of my life serving. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of Spanish and all of that, what have you learned with singing and everything? Haven't you found that there's not as many religious music in yeah. the Spanish community? So I discovered when I got onto my mission that they're truly, other than like some pretty not great tracks from the 80s, <laughs> there were really not I mean, that come many. I mean, the 80s were like our prime of oh, like... man. There was not very good music, especially like uplifting church music in the Spanish language. So when I got home from my mission, I decided to record one of my favorite songs, which is I Am a Child of God, in several different languages. So I recorded it in Mayan and Spanish and English. And I was just like posting this video to just to reach the same people that I had been with, celebrate the time that I had there. And it went viral. Within 24 hours, it had hundreds of thousands of views, and all of a sudden I was getting asked to to sing for different um, events and stuff in Salt Lake in the Latin community, and it just, like, exploded into this big career. So now I write and record a lot of music in several different languages. I just released an album last June that has eight languages. I love learning languages. And so now that's that's one of the things that I do is just record uplifting music in lots of different languages. Yeah, which is, it's really amazing. First of all, I don't have a good voice. So singing <laughs> in one language would just, anyways, is not my talent. But I remember you sitting there learning, was it Korean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you were learning the music and you were sitting there memorizing all the stuff. And that really is a talent. But I wanted to ask you, when do you feel like you went from being a a student of music to being more of like a teacher of music? That kind of shifted when I was at BYU. I had a lot of people that kind of after some of those videos had gone viral and things that have been like, oh, I want to learn how to sing. I want to do this. And so I decided that I would start teaching voice lessons and uh, eventually went to teach at my voice teacher's studio as a, as a student teacher. And it just kind of grew from there. I learned that I really love helping people find their voice and find what they can give and find what makes them unique and find music and a style that, that really helps them build that confidence. And so it kind of changed for me a couple of I guess it's been like five years now. <laughs> Maybe like last six. year? Oh wait. oh, wait. It's been like six, almost six, well, five years. It's crazy. That's really when, when things kind of changed for me to having that desire to just help other people learn how to do what I love doing too. So that's when I started my studio and it has exploded from there. So tell us more about some of your students. What have been the most rewarding experiences teaching people to sing? There have been so, so many cool experiences that I've had teaching. I love in a first lesson when I can take someone from feeling really inhibited by their voice, having a break or cracks or things that happen in their in their voice to showing them that they really can't unleash this full beautiful voice and just seeing it like 
click, seeing the lights turn on, and really seeing people overcome that performance anxiety or um, insecurity, as they sing. I've, I've had a couple of students that started and were literally so scared that, I mean, I've even had some pee their pants <laughs> in their first lesson and just be so nervous that they, they couldn't even sing in a first lesson to now performing, doing YouTube videos, collaborating with some really amazing artists and, and starting careers of their own. So it's been really cool to see them overcome their individual challenges and now have these wonderful thriving music careers. Now most of my focus as a teacher is helping semi-professional artists learn how to launch not only their music career and learn like vocal technique, but but really learn how to get themselves out there and thrive. And then I have teachers that teach under me that kind of help with like the basics and basic vocal technique. And so that when they are ready to start an actual music career, then they can start training with me and I'll kind of help them learn how to do it and then send them on their way to go shine. So, so what age are most of the, your students? Cause don't you help most of your students are pretty young, aren't they? Yeah, they're um, the youngest of my like students that I mentor is eight years old, I believe. And then the oldest student currently in my pipeline of, of students that are pursuing music careers is like 30. So kind of a wide spectrum. And then my, my student teachers, the youngest students are like four or five, and it ranges the whole... The whole spectrum of ages. Yeah. The oldest student I've ever had was 65. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Anyone can learn to sing at any age. Maybe you'll have to teach me one of these days. I would be happy to. <laughs> I know. I always, Teach your son. <laughs> I, I know. Hayden loves his music lessons. We'll listen to church music or things like that, and my kids will be like, is this Allie? <laughs> I'm like no but it kind of sounds like her it's like Carrie Underwood singing something and I'm like especially when we listen to Christmas music like, is this Allie? <laughs> so tell us about your experience in college with Noteworthy it was an acapella group that you were a part of so when I was in college it was kind of crazy I didn't plan on auditioning for this group but my my best friend from high school had actually passed away really suddenly and kind of tragically. And it just knocked the wind out of me for a couple of months. I was so sad and was really like, now looking back on it, I was totally depressed and was not doing well in school. And it was the worst semester I had had. And my family lived really far away. So I was essentially... By myself. He was perfectly healthy and then it was like he just he had a seizure and and died. So it was really, really hard on me. And so I was walking through like the student activities building one day, just feeling the worst. <laughs> and I just it had been a really long time since I had let myself sing or do anything that I had really enjoyed previously and so I decided you know what I don't I don't really want to be performing and touring and and doing this whole performer lifestyle I just need to get through school but I needed something to kind of reawaken that joy in my life 
And so I walked past the sign that said, noteworthy auditions. And I was like, fine, it's fine. I'll just like, I'll go try out. And so I walked in and they asked me what I was going to sing. And I was like, uh, titanium. And I'm like, do I even know the words? Like, what the, why did I say titanium? I don't even know the words to that song. So I probably sing like, titanium. Like, <laughs> just like threw something out there and it was not a great audition, but I left and I was like, okay, yeah, I love to sing. This is something that, that I would love to spend some time doing. And I got callbacks and I was so surprised, but I went to callbacks still not thinking that I would do the group, but I, Hey, it's another couple of hours to just sing. And then I made the group like, and I was not expecting it because it was the first time I'd ever tried out. I was still really early on in college, and so I had several more years of school, but I got into the group, and it it was like the light switch that I needed. As soon as I was in the group and practicing and performing and doing music videos and touring, it was like, this is what I love to do. I love to perform, and I was performing the kind of uplifting, happy music that helped me reach out to other people and when we'd go on tour we'd get time to go serve or go meet with the people and and get to know people everywhere and so can it, you explain a little bit more about how the acapella group works I think it's so fascinating yeah like, everything obviously it's acapella so every sound that is made is completely from the human voice so there's somebody that sounds like a drummer that does beatboxing. <laughs> I'm really bad at it, but it's like, <laughs> anyway, I just say boots and cats. <laughs> but there are people that do that. There's a female bass that sings like all of the low notes. And I got to do that um, in quite a few of the songs. I got to be the like the really low people. Um, and then you've got like, lower voices and higher voices and then the other part that I got to sing a lot was soprano one which was like all the way up in the rafters so I was which kind is of crazy the, that you could do bass and soprano <laughs> I was kind of the bookends of things most of the time but it was a really awesome experience to be able to go perform and literally the only thing that's coming through the speakers is the voice of the people that I was with and it was really fun I met some of my very best friends in the group and obviously, nine girls, there are not always the easiest personalities or the best. You're not always the best of friends, but it was really fun to, like, just learn how to love people that were so different from me and thought so different and <laughs> had varying levels of maturity. And <laughs> but it was, really, it was really fun to kind of develop that sisterhood and get to work with a lot of really amazing directors and have really cool opportunities to perform everywhere. So Well, I love listening to Noteworthy. I feel like it's so beautiful and the music videos are so awesome. Here's a little plug for Noteworthy. If you haven't listened to it, Alexa knows how to play BYU <laughs> Alexa Noteworthy. plays BYU Noteworthy very well. <laughs> yes, she, she knows how to get there. What would you say was your biggest takeaway from Noteworthy? confidence <laughs> I feel like my biggest takeaway from Noteworthy was every voice is needed because literally if somebody wasn't there or somebody was sick you could tell that we weren't a complete group 
And so every voice was so different and not everybody could sing all of the same things. But I feel like I learned that every voice is unique and we need everybody. Our director was just this really inspiring, strong-willed woman. Amy Whitcomb is just like, the only word I know how to use for her is like such a queen. <laughs> like she just, she taught all of us to really feel comfortable in our own skin and really just be completely ourselves on stage. And so I, when I learned to really be comfortable in my own skin and recognize that my beauty and my talents are different than other people's, but that's something to be proud of, not something to like hide or sit and compare yeah. yourself. I bet, especially in music, I, I think it would be hard not to compare yourself. Yeah, especially because everybody, like you said earlier, everybody's competing to be the best or the brightest or have the coolest talent. And so it was really neat to see that like every voice, no matter how different, was totally needed in the yeah. group. How has your performing career evolved over time and since you kind of went from being more in a group to doing things on your own? Really, after those videos went viral in Spanish, for a while I was doing both. I was on Noteworthy and I was performing in my solo career. But after I was done with BYU, I really dedicated a lot of my time and energy to performing in Spanish and in other languages. I do sing in English. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, like my biggest bond has been with my Spanish community. I really do in a lot of ways feel like I'm a Mexican uh, because of how much I love Mexico and I love the whole Latin community. But um, I feel like over time, my career has evolved to kind of find my niche in the world. And that is kind of uplifting that group of people that aren't often catered to in music. It's really, really cool to be able to post a video or be in a live video and get a message from someone in rural Guatemala that says, I have had the worst day. This and this and this happened. I lost my job or my wife left me or you, you like, you never know. There's no end to the, to the problems that people have, but your music helped me realize that I'm going to be okay, that I'm going to be able to do it. And, oh, it just like makes me emotional. Um, it's just really humbling to receive those kind of messages from people that are so often overlooked. I mean, you would never see somebody in the mainstream pop industry having any kind of interest unless it was to post something on Instagram from someone that lives in a hut in Guatemala, you know? And so it's just like really amazing to, I've made some of my very best friends even though I've never met them in person, some of my very dearest friends through sharing my talents online <laughs> with all the world. And now I have the opportunity finally to actually be able to go on tour. Hopefully COVID goes away soon, but I've been invited to sing in Panama and Guatemala and Costa Rica and El Salvador. And so really as soon as all these restrictions are lifted, I'm going to finally get to meet some of my very best friends who I talk to every single day in person That's after so cool. all this time. So. I know. I just found out today you were saying I'm going on tour. I'm like, <laughs> when did this happen? You're like, today. <laughs> it's, 
it's going to be really, really neat to, to finally get to give these people that have been so instrumental in my life a big hug for the very first time. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's amazing how supportive the community has been. And especially like, I remember you talking about I am a child of God in Mayan, that they don't really have any It was the music. very first song <clears throat> recorded for my church in the Mayan language. My, my version was. And so it was really, really neat to get messages like, I stopped going to church years ago because I thought I was forgotten because there were no materials or anything for my beliefs in my language. And I was tired of having to do it in my second language. And this is the first time I've heard something for me in my language. And really that's what started my my desire to just record everything I could in every language and make sure that everybody, no matter what language they speak, could hear the message that God loves them. I love that. So your album, tell us about what it's called and where you got the idea. And then for people who aren't familiar with recording, tell us a little bit about the recording process and what that all entails. Totally. So my album's name is One, and the album cover actually has the, the name One in all of the languages that the album is in. So in on the album, I sing in Mayan, Spanish, English, Portuguese, Korean, Arabic, Swahili. I'm missing one. How did you learn Swahili? I <laughs> I actually randomly met a an African studies major that is like in his PhD program that was able to translate the words. And then some of my friends connected me to their friends in Africa <laughs> that kind of tutored me on how to pronounce the words and hopefully do it like the very most authentically we possibly could. I'm sure it's not like perfect, but it's the thought that counts, right? Oh, what language am I missing? Hebrew. What am I talking about? Hebrew. Oh. <laughs> Literally what I studied in college. I decided to do an album in all of these languages Mostly because, like I said, I love being able to reach so many people in so many different ways and be able to do it in their language. The recording process is really so much fun, so much work. I bet every song took at least 10 to 12 hours in a recording studio between all of the instruments that needed to be arranged and all of the different parts that I, I sang the song Arirang, which is in um, Korean, I am layered. I think we layered my voice, like I sang on top of myself like 20 times, singing wow. different parts. So kind of the process is at the very beginning, you obviously have to decide what song you're going to sing. You have to lay out like, okay, what am I, what's the general outline of this song? What parts am I going to sing loud? What parts am I going to sing soft? What am I going to do to change the melody or or things like that. And then I worked with a producer named Greg Hansen. He runs some of the radio stations in Utah, but he's he's just an awesome producer. And he kind of helped me arrange a lot of the music. Some of the songs that I actually like sat there with my audio engineer and said, I think it would be really cool if we added some drums here. So 
let's play some drums or I think I can hear this harmony in a piano part. So can we, can we play this on the piano and, and add this to the song? Once you finally have kind of like your background music track, you actually go into the recording studio and sing along with it. Then after you do that, there's tons of editing to make sure that all of the beats line up together, that one instrument's not too loud or too soft, or make sure that you can hear everything that's going on, but still hear the voice and have the right balance between the voice and the harmony. Wow. And, and then make sure that your final product is kind of the performance or the feeling that you were wanting it to be in the first place. So a lot of the songs that I, I recorded, I actually started recording like in 2013 and then finally like got to a point where I was really happy with them in 2020. <laughs> and so, and other songs were like super fast. They just kind of fell into place and, and were awesome. Um, several of the songs have other friends that are singing on them as well. So we had all of us in the studio singing at the same time. So when you layer your own voice, cause like you can't really hear yourself layered live. Do you listen to it or do you have it all planned out? Like I'm going to do this beforehand or you just layer two and listen to that and then add another one while you're singing the next one or. So it kind of depends on the person doing this. I personally feel like I am so much more musically inspired on the spot. Some people like write it out on sheet music so they know exactly what harmonies they're going to sing. I like to do it by ear. So I didn't plan before I went to the studio what notes I was going to sing. I would just sing the first one that came to my head. And then while that first one was playing, I'd sing another one in harmony. And then I, if there was another mel or another harmony in my head, both of those would be playing and I would sing over it again. That's amazing. And I can't... My... Just kind of layer it on the spot. And I think that's one of the things that really came from Noteworthy is because I was so used to harmonizing with so many people and hearing so many different parts all the time that it became yeah. easier to do that myself. Yeah. You've had so many pivotal things in your life that have kind of brought you to where you are. And it almost just feels like, you know, the little things you started doing when you were a kid helped prepare you. And then even like high school, then college and all these things have kind of really come full circle to be able to produce this album mm -hmm. and I know it's been kind of hard because you wanted to do like this big release party COVID. and it's like COVID hit <laughs> and but was there anything that you learned creating an album that was kind of unexpected? I feel like it taught me a lot about how life doesn't always go the way that we want it to um, but it turns out just the way it needs to because I, like you said, I planned on doing this big album release party and having everyone I knew there to celebrate the release and do live concert. And even along the way, like there were songs that I wanted to do and it just didn't work out or it didn't fall into place or it just didn't feel right. And um, so my final product was totally different than what I had set out to do. My song choices, what languages I was gonna sing in, that vision just changed over time, but my destination was exactly what it needed to be and where it needed to be. And so even though I didn't get to do like an album release party, now I have opened up my own brand new big studio with like a venue space. And so I'm going to be able to do 
my own album release party at some point. And it's going to be in an even bigger project, an even yeah. bigger space that that I love. And so I feel like even though things may not go according to planned, we never end up in the wrong place. It's always, we always end up where we need to be. Yeah, I like that. So tell us a little bit more about this studio. And I hear that you've had some pretty cool people come help you wallpaper your <laughs> studio lately. <laughs> yes, you were, you were so nice to come so late at night and help me put up my brick wall. Honestly, I wish that we would have done one of those videos where you can like watch in fast motion. With, like time lapse. Because <laughs> the process of like, getting that wallpaper up was so funny. <laughs> I should have I filmed it, but... I decided a couple months ago that it was time to stop daydreaming and start doing. Because <laughs> I had built this really awesome studio and I had given a lot of my students an opportunity to perform for people in the music industry, professionals, and and I had always wanted to create a space where students could perform for like recitals or give their own kind of smaller concerts or record music videos. And I, I just wanted to be able to create like a little music hub in our state and, and have a place where artists and videographers and photographers and producers and teachers could all just kind of collaborate and come together. And so that had always been one of my goals like to do before I was old, but I never thought... <laughs> like when I was 40 or 50. Yeah. I, I mean, I always thought, okay, well I'll, I'll like raise my kids and then I'll do it. And it just, like I said, it, the timing was just right. It like, I had decided I was going to branch out on my own. And so at first I was looking for just like a small space for just me to teach. Yeah. And then I was like, no, like, I think it would be cool to have this this venue and a photography studio attached to it. Because before you were teaching at like another, another at teacher, your music yeah, teacher's. at my voice teacher's studio, and it was super awesome, but I was ready, like, it was time to move. It was time to move on and move up. And so once I started looking for a space just for me, I realized there's, like, no space where music teachers can rent just a room unless it's in, like, somebody else's music studio commercial office space won't rent to music teachers because of the noise. And so <laughs> I was like, well, this is a hole in the market. <laughs> so once I had found a place that was really awesome to have my studio and like a venue attached, there was this whole other side that had all of these awesome smaller rooms, classroom sizes that I could then rent out to other teachers and it just kind of snowballed into, I found some of my amazing colleagues that were like, I want to teach songwriting lessons. I want to do musicals. I want to teach voice lessons online. And, and then we, we created this one that was like, well, if, if parents don't know how to practice with their kids, like hop online with a practice buddy and then parents don't have to nag and kids have fun practicing online. And all of these different parts of this company just kind of exploded. <laughs> and so now, starting February 1st, we are open in our new big space. Teachers can rent out rooms to, um, to teach their music lessons in it and kind of start launching their own 
studios and things. And then we have our sponsored teachers that um, teach from beginning to super advanced. There's a venue there so people can do like smaller concerts. People can film music videos. There's like a recording studio there. And well, because you've been in a lot of music videos and you were kind of saying if the weather's not great. Nobody wants to stand outside and do a music video in like negative degree weather, which happens all the time. I was so tired of freezing my toes off in the winter because there's not very many places where you can do music videos inside. People were having to rent out like reception centers and pay so much money when if they just had like an attractive looking indoor space that was versatile enough to like change depending on the mood of the video or the photo shoot then I mean you've you've got that space now to to shoot and it's so much easier so now when people hire me to sing their music or do a music video we can just use my space and I don't have to always be outside yeah (laughs) so I feel like it's always been like find the problem find the pain point and find a way to answer that um because the, I feel that's like where that's creativity the business thrives. model 101, right? Yeah, that's that's business 101 is find find what is what people are struggling with and find a way to answer that. Yeah. With a product or service. And what's great is that your product and service is something that you're so passionate about and that you love so much and brings so much joy not only to you but to your students and also the people that listen to your music and when Hayden was little like we had, I feel like we don't have CDs anymore in our <laughs> cars, but we had like a CD of yours and I feel like he would cry in the car. He hated being in the car. If your voice was being played, he was totally calm. Like he loved it. <laughs> like a newborn baby. Music can have such a, an impact on your mood for good or for bad. You know, you totally. listen to some music and it really like put you in a bad mood and their music can really just change your emotions and how you're feeling and bring things to your memory and you really have a talent of being able to do that and and when you sing you really sing from the heart that's where I feel it's different than just people who just sing because they have a good voice you know And, and I feel like you can really feel that I'm so proud of you being the new entrepreneur and all these ideas and you're really not letting fear hold you back you're just going for it and So what advice would you have to others who want to reach their dream? It's really important to put more energy into faith than into fear. If you're going to spend energy worrying, you might as make it productive and put it in faith. (laughs) It's so much better to think of what's the best thing that can happen rather than what's the worst case scenario. What if this happens or what if this happens? Sure, what if that happens? People fail. People lose everything all the time. So what? You start over. You know, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, it could flop and we learn, well, that didn't work. We learned one new way that didn't work, but we know not to do that again. Let's do something yeah. different. And so I or feel like... the worst like, thing that could happen is that you don't even try, right? Yeah. On, that is the worst thing that could happen because then you don't learn anything. And so I feel like that's kind of what has made me pull the trigger every time is but what if I succeed and honest to goodness I I don't feel like sure in the eyes of some 
some of these experiences that I have may look like failures, but for me, it's been like, I like to call them pivots. <laughs> they're not failures. They're moments when I went, this direction isn't going to work. Let's go this direction. And I feel like failure is just part of the process. And so one of my friends is also an entrepreneur. I've made a really, really great group of like young female entrepreneur friends, but she always says, fail hard, fail fast, and then pivot. <laughs> and so I feel like that's become one of my favorite things is, okay, if I'm going to fail, I got to fail fast so that I can learn from it and move on and, and learn something. So yeah. just like putting, putting more energy into faith than into the what ifs has been really beneficial to me. Yeah. I like that. I read a book this last year called Mindset, but they kind of talk about with with kids a lot of times we focus so much on the success of things and a lot of times we're like setting them up for failure and they were actually saying how it was really productive to be able to talk about failures and sit around the table at dinner and say, how did you fail today? But basically saying... Failure is good because that's where we learn. A lot of times if we're only succeeding, which I don't know very many people that never (laughs) fail, but those aren't the times that you really have to dig deep and say like, okay, this isn't working. I need to figure out a better way to do this because if things just go smoothly, then it's just, you just keep doing what you've always done. Mm -hmm. But it's really when you're, okay, this is hard. This is not working. This is, we need to make a change here that that's where the growth really happens. Yeah. I heard a story about Thomas Edison when there was a giant fire at his workshop. And so he lost like all of his life work. And so somebody came up to him and was like, what are you going to do now? You lost everything. You lost all of your life's work. Like everything's for nothing. And he said, no, I learned all the ways it doesn't work so that I can do it right next time. (laughs) It really, truly... You're not done if you're failing. There's still a new way or um, there's more steps to come after that. So if you feel like you're failing, the story is not over yet. Yeah. I like that. Well, I have one more question for you, and that's the question I ask everybody. (laughs) And it's, if you could go back in time to any stage of life and give yourself advice, where would you go and what would you say? I think I would go back to beginning of high school me (laughs) and I think I would tell that girl that loved music and wanted to do that that her life was going to be really awesome and there were going to be a lot of challenges and it was going to be really hard sometimes but that it was going to be worth it and then you were going to find the best husband ever that's so supportive and your family was going to be so supportive of all of your goals and dreams and just to keep going and like don't let anybody tell you that you weren't going to make it or weren't going to be good enough because you're going to have a pretty amazing life. (laughs) I love that. I feel like one thing I've learned from you today is that you don't really do anyone a favor by trying to protect them from their dreams because... Sometimes I feel like people have the best of intentions of trying to protect. It's don't be a crab in the bucket. Yeah, don't be a crab. <laughs> don't pinch everyone down, right? Just push them up over the edge. Yeah. You know, so. Well, thanks so much for being on my podcast. 
I'm glad that we're finally in the same place that I can, we can do in person. <laughs> yes, finally. <laughs> finally, you're in the same state as me. Thanks again for listening to Letters to My Younger Self. I thought listening to Allie at the end of the podcast was the best way for us to end today. Hope you have a wonderful week. Everyone is different with distances between And fixing it is not as simple as it seems But there is understanding If you just believe Together we will all join hearts in unity Love will help you to be brave Rushing in just like the waves You don't have to be afraid When we all believe You Be strong as we face the